Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the production of device website, where my aim is to help you get the best results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. And this week, I have a guest. Um, it's a little off-topic for mastering, but if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that uh, I like to head off the beaten track every now and again. This episode, my guest is Tim Exile, who has created an amazing music collaborative jamming online app thing um, called Endless, with, with three S's, which I mentioned briefly at the end of the last episode talking about remote audio collaboration. And basically, I'm just so excited about the application um, that I just wanted to get Tim on to talk about it and help spread the word about it. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, lovely to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk to you and talk to uh, your followers. It's great. Thank you. No, my pleasure. I mean, th thanks for coming on the show. It's um, you probably don't know this, but I'm I'm a bit of a Tim Exile fan. Um, I discovered you through Imogen Heap uh, way back when I think you were touring with her on the Ellipse tour, um, and she shared some some amazing live stuff that you did. Um, and I saw you at TEDx in Albra and a few other places, and I was just kind of amazed. So I thought it'd be interesting to start off by talking about how you got started, because you started out as a live performer, right, doing looping. It depends where you kind of drop um, the start point anchor. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, we'll go back further if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, I, do, I do have a bit of a sort of like set piece, uh, you know, my story thing, which I'll try and whistle through, and it, it does kind of set the context of, of what I think it explains why things happened the way they did. Um, so my, my first musical experience was playing the violin. I picked that up at about age, I think it was four or five when I started playing the violin. Uh, and apparently my mum tells me it's the first thing that I ever said yes to when someone said, do you want to play the violin? And she thought my answer would be no, because it was no to everything else. So I, I was clearly, it, there was clearly something about, that, about it that I really wanted to do. Flash forward to, you know, me as an early teenager and I fell in love with electronic music. Um, listening to the rave tapes that were circulating, circulating from, you know, the early rave scene of the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. And I totally fell in love. I mean, the, the moment I heard that stuff, I was in a different universe. And I knew that I wanted to make my life about something to do with that sound world. Um, but, you know, my, as having had that first experience of playing the violin, I thought that electronic music was something very embodied. It was something that was played and performed and improvised. But of course it wasn't. It's kind of, especially at that time, it was the complete opposite. You know, that was just when DAWs were coming in, just when sort of, you know, multi-track, um, uh, you know, software editing. Um, and all that music was very designed. It was very much mm -hmm. kind of like, come up with an idea, draw it out on the screen, listen to how it sounds, iterate on that. Um, and it was all very much about uh, perfectionism. Did that disappoint you when you kind of discovered that? I mean, did, did you kind of hear the music and want to get into it and then think, oh, actually? I don't know. I think I was too, I was too young to be disappointed. Um, you know, was, uh, my, my kind of my um, cortex was still forming. So I was very much <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay, well, that's the way it is. Well, I'll get into that then. I did it for about a year, maybe even less, um, until I got, it, you know, it wasn't as hands-on in, enough. I was used to, you know, the really complex finger technique for violin and so on and, and and DJing didn't didn't cut that what I wanted so so I then very quickly got into producing which um which did give me 
um, you know, a certain degree of nerdery to really kind of dive down deeply. I mean, it wasn't an embodied deep diving. It was a very cerebral deep diving, but it still, you know, it ticked that deep dive box. That kind of took me right the way through to sort of my early, um, you know, my first releases, my first radio play, uh, produ- you know, producing music. And I was very much into making absolutely exquisite bits of, well, trying to make absolutely exquisite over-engineered bits of music that would, you know, where you'd spend like 100, 200 hours making a five-minute piece of music um, and uh, with with details that no one would ever appreciate apart from me. And then I sort of burnt out from that at some point. I was just like, ah, that's, you know, I missed, I, I missed that original violin kind of like bow on string, move your body, sound happens kind of experience. And I wanted to bring mm-hmm. that to electronic music. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd been, as a deep diver, I'd been messing around with like Native Instruments Reactor um, and various other kind of early digital mod- modulars, um, beginning to kind of understand how how DSP works, how, you know, how programming works, really, how, you know, how to how to handle events and audio in the the digital world. As my production chops grew, so did my uh, programming chops uh, grow. Um, and I just started getting more and more ambitious with the things that I was making. And um, was it was it mainly sounds that you were developing, or were you kind of getting into the whole like literally modular synthesis of kind of loops and all that kind of stuff? The thing that I was most interested, first of all, was sample manipulation. Um, so taking recorded sounds and then manipulating those, and then but that very quickly led led to, um. I guess, yeah, I guess kind of like, yeah, live looping and uh, live sampling and live processing. Basically anything, I think I was, like anything that would allow me to do stuff then and there, you know, to Mm -hmm. to be um, responsive and uh, immediate and spontaneous. There's also a heavy, a heavy kind of, I guess what you call nowadays UX um, but it was, you know, UX didn't. I don't think really even existed in the early two thousands, or maybe it did somewhere. And, um, but this idea of, um, it, you know, it's not just design, not just interface design. It's like how how you how you interact with something. You know, I started building tools where um, they were just directly mapped to MIDI controllers, and I'd actually say I'd take a certain MIDI MIDI controller and figure out like how can I make a piece of um, an instrument or something for this controller so almost like developing the software and the mapping at once which, which i think is you know the 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 way to make really performable instruments the thing that i often think of when i look at what you were doing live then and kind of and now with endless is the chaos pad but was this prior to that bit of tech coming out or was that one of the toys you were playing with um so my first setup did actually use a chaos pad as a midi controller um so I did. I did get a Chaos Pad. I think when they came out, it was in like two thousand, mm-hmm. maybe ninety nine, two thousand, that around that time. Um, and yeah, it was super fun. I mean, uh, you know, this was like when I was at, at university, and uh, we'd sort of sit up late at night with the TV, uh, you know, watching like uh, really trashy TV and smoking weed and putting it through the chaos pad and like resampling applause and then like putting applause over stupid bits of TV. But that fun, that immediacy and that fun uh, was, was really attractive. Yeah, I suppose it, it's funny, actually. I think the chaos pad was actually very influential in make, uh, kind of opening my eyes to, to what good, almost like kind of parallel development of um, DSP and um, interface, you know, kind of hardware interface mapping 
um, yeah. Yeah, because I think, it, I mean, it, it just struck me as it's the thing I love about Endless, which we'll talk about in a minute, is that it's really, really intuitive. Um, and I think the Chaos Pad as well, just this kind of thing of like, you know, you, you basically, or, well, anything with knobs and dials, you know, you can just grab hold of it, you just move things around. Like you say, it's the physical thing influencing the sound and you responding to what it does. And I guess, I mean, when I first saw you, you had a huge sort of, I guess it was a big flat flight case. Maybe it was a mixing desk flight case or something just basically full of pedals and mixers and all the rest of it, all kind of wired together and mashed together um, to create this kind of performance rig. And I know that after that, you kind of got into designing some plugins that were basically kind of instruments and and DSP kind of uh, tools. But the, And I, I admit that I lost track a little bit of what you were up to at that point, just because I'm not a performer. One of the things I love about Endless is it made me start actually making music again. But again, we'll come on to that in a second. Yeah, I guess because I wasn't making music at that point. I mean, I've, I've dabbled in electronic music stuff in the past. But, you know, so the idea of, oh, it's another synth or sampler manipulation thing or whatever kind of didn't interest me as much. But then, I don't know, maybe just a few months ago, I saw something from you a tweet, I think it was, kind of saying that you used to go on stage with 40 kilos worth of gear um, and now you go out with an iPhone. And that kind of caught my attention. I was like, oh, what's he talking about there? Because obviously I remembered the 40 kilos of kit <laughs> um, and you know, I was intrigued to see what it was about. And obviously the answer was Endless, which is this app that allows you to live loop and it's an instrument and it's also a sampler and it's a collaboration tool. But how did you was it an organic thing going from performing with this big rack of kit through developing plugins into Endless? Or was it just, how, how did that happen? How, what, how, how did that work? It was fairly organic. It was certainly very kind of overlapped, um, but there were certain key moments. So so the plugins, so the Flow Machine, which is this big, um, uh, big flight case of kit, which you talk about, which is still exactly the same, um, as, as as the one that I use today. When I go out and do live shows, I do live, live shows with exactly the same rig that I did 10 years ago, um, okay. which is, I mean, there's, there's a whole other podcast <laughs> about, you know, building and learning to play instruments, uh, you know, the importance of keeping an instrument the same. Anyway, I'll leave that for another day. So a lot of the DSP inside the flow machine um, has, um, or, or no, a lot, some of it has become a uh, product. You know, I've turned it, I worked, I teamed up with Native Instruments, um, to turn little blocks of the flow machine, which was all built in Reactor. It was all one huge, sprawling Reactor ensemble. Okay. So the Finger, which is the first plugin I did with Native Instruments, um, was it was literally lifted straight out of the flow machine. It's a, an effects unit, but where you trigger each effect on a, on a key, on a keyboard. And also there's a, there's a kind of fancy routing thing that where it sort of routes the effects in the order that you trigger them on the keyboard. So you can kind of reroute things live. It's pretty bonkers <laughs> um, and and then came the mouth which is also another thing that that i um built for the flow machine which is a, a kind of voice activated synth um uh and all, all of these are still available on native instruments um if if you want to explore them um some of them are available in complete as well anyway so th those are the plugins and they they, they came around the, si the same time as uh the sort of my peak kind of touring with the flow machine there were a few key points uh, going from you know me as an artist playing the flow machine, which was just for me, to to endless. Um, uh, and I think the first one was realizing that the potential 
of uh, what I had in the flow machine was much bigger than just one artist playing this thing and, and that it had um, potential to kind of bring, um, you know, unlock a different kind of creativity for a lot of people, more, you know, more than just me. Um, and then there were quite a few sort of um, aborted attempts at how to do that. You know, I just um, looked into do it, trying to do it as a plugin with Native Instruments, um, but a plugin was a bit too limiting for what um, I really wanted to do with it because it involves so much MIDI mapping, etc. And um, and then I looked at um, basically uh, like talking to Behringer, who um, uh, you know sort of recently slightly disgraced themselves, but uh, uh, you know teaming up with them to do some kind of hardware unit because most of my controllers are. Um, hardware and obviously that's a hugely complex thing after a while basically realized that the only way to go about this was to basically start a company um team up with some developers designers engineers and just build this thing firstly as a code base from from scratch with, with this kind of the core kind of flow machine workflow at the heart of it um and then kind of in that process the, the whole the way that it works collaboratively just kind of opened up really naturally because it, it's it was always kind of quite implicit in the workflow that this could actually be multiplayer. The, you know, the way Endless works now is this kind of loop station slash kind of chat room uh, system. Yeah, let's let's talk about exactly what it is quickly, just for anybody who's listening who hasn't kind of checked it out yet. So there, well, there are two versions, or there are going to be two versions, because it's going to be released as a plug-in soon. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the current version that anybody can get now is available on any apple any ios device it's an app that you download to your phone and it's basically a live looping app so it's got kind of drum machines and synths in there and you can build a loop and set it up and then you can layer those loops on top of each other to kind of create what you call riffs with three f's um and you can kind of sequence that sequence those together in development but the the really i think groundbreaking thing about it is that if somebody else uh is connected to you in a in a jam session uh, on another iOS device, which could be sitting next to you or it could be on the other side of the world. As soon as you hit the button that says loop what I just did, they hear the result of what you just did and it updates in their copy of the app. So you can basically exchange musical ideas with each other, right? Because you could do a beat and I could uh, play a bass line over the top of it and you would hear my bass line and then you could add some processing to the baseline and I would hear the processing and I could go back and edit my own drum beat or your drum beat or whoever's drum beat it was in the first place. And and the whole thing can kind of evolve and you can have m- many people as part of the same jam session at the same time. Um, and it's this kind of wonderful sort of collision of uh, tech and creativity where, you know, mistakes kind of generate new ideas and I mean, I think the cleverest thing about it is the the fact that, you know, it's because it's not really live in the sense that, or the, you know, not like a real jam session where people are literally playing along in time with each other, but it feels as though it's live because it's so interactive. Um, and yeah, you're saying that interactive element was there from the beginning or just kind of was obvious that you'd be, it'd be silly to leave it out or what was the thought process? Um, well, there was a there was a bit of a kind of like road to Damascus uh, moment. So um, so Ash, who is our incredibly talented, uh, who's amazing kind of force of nature super developer guy, who's um, uh, right at the core of build. You know, he's a, he's our chief engineer. Um, he was the first guy who came on board. So for, um, we spent a year, me and him, working together 
um, where he was kind of building stuff in Reactor, actually. So we had a pretty extensive Reactor prototype of Endless, um, actually mapped to Ableton Push 1, um, which is nicely circular because now now we've got Ender Studio, which is mapped to Ableton Push 2. One day we, we were kind of like um, working together side by side on um, various different things. And he had um, his Ableton Push, which had this whole history of riffs in it. Um, and I had my Ableton Push running on my version of Reactor that had my riffs in it. And Ash was just playing me through some of the stuff he did. And he's got this... He's got this amazing, quite sort of perverse musical mind that's just like hilarious and quite brilliant. And I was just like, oh man, I really want your history um, on my on, on my version of, um, uh, well, it wasn't even called Enders at the time. I can't remember what we were, we were calling it, but, you know, I wanted to have this stuff. And then, and then you know, that in that moment, the penny dropped. They're just like, I, I, I sort of, I think as soon as I said that, I kind of paused and, and did a whole like, 50 steps ahead into the future. And it's just like, <laughs> we could make this. We could, we could totally make um, basically what Endless is now by, by having a sh- you know, this kind of shared real-time synced database of, uh, of riffs. Yeah, well, and, and a shared history as well, like you say, because that's the other thing is that, that one of the, another wonderful thing about Endless is you kind of, you know, you lose a couple of hours jamming in it and then think, I really should go to bed. And then you can come back in the morning and just go back and kind of pick out every iteration of the because it's you know it's built over these riffs which are these kind of short looping segments and it could be four bars or eight bars or however many and you can choose the key and the time signature. Um, but then they have each riff has eight layers, um, which you know initially is just the stuff that builds up and then people start combining different layers and processing them so it all gets horribly wonderfully complicated. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other great thing is you can go back into the history. And so, I mean, you can undo mistakes because you can resurrect a a previous riff or you can go further back. And I mean, if you're clever, you can pull ideas out of previous versions and bring them back into the current version. It is amazingly flexible. I mean, how about the the idea of the layers and all the rest of it? That was there to begin with, I guess. Was that, did that come from the live setup? Yes, that came from the flow machine. So um, the, um, you know, most of Endless is, is directly related to how the flow machine works. So uh, to kind of dive into it a bit, you've got eight slots. Um, we've got eight channels where, that, where loops can stack up. And when you make a loop, you don't make a loop into a specific one of those channels. It's just we have an algorithm that just finds a free slot, basically, and just plonks it in there and shows you where it is. Um, the the idea of having like a single channel in where you loop stuff um, and then it maps it to one of those layers is in there the idea of being able to kind of root a number of those layers like um from one to all of those um layers um into a single effects bus and then reloop that that was a, a flow machine um idea so it's yeah i mean it's 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 pretty much a sort of carbon copy of the core workflow from the flow machine and it just works so well i mean and I mean, it's it's amazing from a tech point of view, but I just think it's also I don't know whether this is by accident or design. One of the things I like about it, so I've, you know, I'm I'm not a musician. I'm I'm musical. Obviously, I I eat, drink, sleep, breathe music in my everything that I do. But I was never I never put in my ten thousand hours or whatever it was to become a performer. Um, you know, I've played various things. I've dabbled in you know doing loop based stuff. But I would never feel comfortable to sort of go down to my local pub and would take a guitar and join in with a jam session, as much as that is an attractive idea to me. 
or even kind of, you know, part of some kind of electronic dubstep combo. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would never kind of take part in a live music jam session like that normally. But the great thing about Endless is that nobody hears anything that you do when you're fiddling around with ideas until you choose to hit the loop button. And for me, that's crucial because it takes away this feeling of self-consciousness of like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to make a mistake. And I think this goes back to what you were talking about first of that whole thing of music production being perfectionist. Um, and it, it's got to the point I've even kind of hummed the odd melody, um, you know, which nobody would ever persuade me to sing, but it's just like, well, if I can make a noise that basically fits what I'm hearing, I'm comfortable to share that. And it just kind of unlocks this whole creative bit of my brain. And I think everybody's brain, you know, where it, it's inviting, it feels safe to join in and just mess around and, and do stuff. And it just leads in all these amazing directions. Um, and yeah, I mean, so was that a goal that you had or did, is that a kind of happy accident? How does it work? It was it was a goal, absolutely, um, and you know I didn't really. It was definitely a moonshot. I think that side of it, you know, wanting to make something that that did as much as possible to uh, to kind of fence off um, all wormholes, um, because I mean, you know, with current production um, software, well, it is it is production software. I mean, that that's the ninety five percent of music tech. Well. Um, we could probably, I think nowadays we can exclude modular and synthesizers and, and stuff like that. But still, the mainstream of music tech is really about production. And production is about, it is about perfection. You know, you're trying to produce a product um, that is like um, immensely palatable for people. Um, so all those software products are, are kind of um, absolutely beset with like wormholes of editing and tweaking that you can fall down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we wanted to do every single thing we could possibly do, uh, to, to kind of, to fence all that stuff off. So, um, you know, this idea of like, you don't have to choose a channel, you know, we wanted to m- remove all the admin. So if you play something, we don't want you to have to think about like, okay, is that channel record armed? Um, we don't want you, like, if you play something good, we don't want you to miss a good bit. So this is why we have the retrospective looping. It's always recording into a buffer in the background and when you've done something good you just decide okay i'll commit that um which is it just takes we wanted to remove as much of the fear um as much of that that kind of um you know sort of fear of being exposed um or fear of like doing the wrong thing um and and also uh that you know, also the wormhole of like getting into editing, really. So, and I think it's so successful at that. And it's interesting as you're talking because I'm just thinking maybe that's one reason that I find it so appealing is that my whole job is about perfectionism. It's like if you're going to be a mastering engineer, perfectionism is a superpower. You know, the ability to notice that click and to care about it or to notice that bass resonance or the fact that that level doesn't quite match that one it's kind of, it, it built into everything that I do. So to have all of those kind of, all of that stuff taken away is just so refreshing um, and so much fun. And it has, I mean, it's, I, I said to you in an email, it's got me making music again 20 years after. It feels like it did when I was a student and we'd just go around to a friend's house and, you know, there was a, a copy of Cubase and, and a couple of, you know, cheesy synths and you'd just have, have a laugh. Um, but amazingly, quite often you end up with these sort of, really quite exciting 
musical ideas. You know, I've, there's a, I've got a kind of library of history of riffs where I'm kind of thinking, well, that could become a track one day, perhaps. Um, and actually, I just saw yesterday that the first album created with Endless has just been released. Isn't that right? Yes, the Veltron Transmissions. It's wonderful how that whole thing sort of came about. Because it came back, it just, it all came about very organically. And I think, you know, you sort of seeded into this. It was really interesting how you seeded into this from, you know, building up the history and building up your library uh, and then talking about how to then translate that library into some, basically some kind of like musical keepsake, um, which then itself turns into a kind of, uh, you know, an artifact in its own right that you actually build your own relationship with. It starts with just playing. Um, and then the playing through the history is kind of elevated into some kind of like storytelling um, through the through the history. Um, and then when you go back through the history, you then kind of like sift through the story and you, you highlight certain elements of it. And then those highlights then get assembled into an album, like what the uh, Veltron Transmissions have made. And then that album then has its own its its own life as a, as a kind of completely separate um, kind of cultural artifact in its own right which I, I i think like for me that is the most fascinating thing about about endless uh, because it it really it kind of does a 180 on the the way we've learned to uh create and understand well art uh well no, no particularly well particularly music you know that, that it's all about this kind of end result and everything apart, you know, the end result is this kind of like the tip of the iceberg, but you only ever see the tip of the iceberg and everything that beneath it is, everything beneath it is kind of irrelevant. Whereas endless, you know, it almost like turns the iceberg upside down. So the whole process is in enjoyable and uh, engaging and is a story in its own right. And then from that story and from engaging in that process, you get something like the Velton Transmissions album. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I completely agree. It's it's and it there's it's so exciting because well one thing just by the by um turns out I've been jamming with one of the members of the the band in the Veltron Transmissions Bad Rico and I had no idea that uh, he was so you know uh so it kind of deeply embedded into the endless community but I completely agree with you with the story as well because I mean I remember and I talked about making music when I was back when I was a student and there was one occasion in particular where we were actually jamming and it was all just going down onto four track tape. And I decided there was a bird singing outside the window. So I hung a mic out of the window um, and the bird song got recorded along with the track. And every time I hear that weird, strange jam session, I'm taken back to that time in my life. And the second or third day I was playing with Endless, it was a Saturday morning and I just went out and I picked up an acoustic guitar for the first time in about 20 years and started playing single notes and looping single notes and building up patterns and of course I was out in the garden and the birds were singing and that's on there as well and so that's going to be that bit of music has become part of my history um and uh, yeah I agree with you I just think that's that's wonderful and it and and it, it brings it to everybody you know it makes it so much more accessible and that's I guess that's a general thing about music tech right and and smartphones and all the rest of it and then the other thing is yes I've got all these ideas of things that could become I could, I could, because the nice thing about Endless is you can export the layers and you could then bring them into Logic or Ableton or some other kind of music software and, and build an album or a finished piece of music from it. But actually, as far as I'm concerned, it's more fun to just go in back in and jam with people. Um, and I think, you know, that's so great to have the performance aspect of it so attractive. 
Um, anyway, we need to talk about the Kickstarter because uh, yesterday, if I'm right, you launched your Kickstarter for Endless Studio, which is basically the same thing, but as a plugin that can be used in any piece of uh, music software. So presumably, you know, you can build up your own beats and play them straight through and kind of join in an endless jam from a DAW. And also, I think, connect it to a hardware controller. Is that right? Yes. So it's also a standalone um, app as well. So you'll be able to, to run it as standalone on your uh, Mac or Windows device. Okay, great. If you want kind of really deep hardware mapping, um, you'll probably want to run the standalone version um, just because uh, the, the depth to which you can map or reliably map um, a VST plugin is, uh, well, it, it, it's different between different DAWs. So, so there are certain limitations there, but, but not that many. You can still build a solid kind of DAW-based jamming workflow with, with the End of Studio plugin. Um, and then, of course, you've got, instead of just being limited to the, the sounds you've got within Endless, uh, you've you've got all the plugins that you have. You've got all the kind of clips that you can launch and um, you know sample them and loop them into Endless, um, and and then process them within within Endless. And of course, uh, collaborate uh, live from any DAW to any other. So you could be running Endless Studio as a plugin in Ableton. Um, I could be running it as a plugin in or the audio unit as a plugin in Logic. Um, and then someone else could be running it in Cubase, and we could all be jamming together um, from three completely different DAWs, um, and also be able to kind of you know drag riffs in and out, um, drop them in our timelines or session view, and arrange them into tracks, which is fantastic, and is going to kind of address one of the main requests from the community, I think, which is people are saying, when is this going to be available on Android? And I understand there are some kind of Android is not nearly as good with audio as iOS. So there's a lots of challenges in that. But this means that you won't actually need a device in order to get in on the fun. No, absolutely not. I mean, obviously, if you've got um, you need a, a Mac or a Windows uh, laptop or desktop, but, um, you know, a lot of people, I think most people who uh, engage in music creation have either one of those. So, so yeah, I think it's going to open us up to a much bigger audience, um, which is which is really exciting, and and also um, maybe a that you know there's still I think there's still a perception that making music on iOS devices is kind of niche, um, and uh, you know these perceptions always take take some time. There's quite a long lag in those perceptions kind of uh, falling away and people really getting into something. Um, so I think you know the the just the message that like we're on we're on the same device that your Pro Tools rig is on that your Ableton rig is on that your Logic rig is on, um, uh, you know, will speak to people who are basically like like to take music really seriously. <laughs> See, and, that, and that's funny because that's the opposite of me, right? One of the things I love about the app is that it is just there on my phone, so I can literally you know start doing something while I'm sitting in the garden, or you know, just five or ten minutes here or there whatever it is, rather than having to go back into the studio and power it all up and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, I don't know whether you want us to include this in the podcast, but the Kickstarter has been fantastically successful already. You're almost at three times your goal, aren't you, after two days? Well, so we actually, we reached our funding goal um, in one hour and one minute, <laughs> wow. uh, which is wonderful. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, it's really wonderful. But, you know, we Obviously, we'd been doing a lot of work with the community beforehand and kind of, you know, building up to that moment. Um, and, uh, 
Yes, by the time I went to uh, to bed last night, we were um, well over two hundred percent the funding goal. Um, it's yeah, it's wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. It's fantastic. Congratulations. So, have you got any kind of timeline for it? I mean, it obviously already exists in one form or another. How long do you think before you'll be able to get it out into the world? Well, we already have a, um, a very early prototype version um, that runs on uh, macOS and is mapped to Ableton Push. And uh, there is what we've got this kind of high reward tier where you can get basically instant access to that within a couple of weeks of when the campaign uh, ends, which is on the 2nd of July. So most people are pledging for the Endless Studio HD uh, lifetime offer. So we've got Endless Studio, which is the app um, and the plugin. Um, But then we've also got Endless Studio HD, which um, adds on a lossless audio, a kind of pro audio um, collaboration service on top of it, because the the basic collaboration service is is compressed. It's one nine two kilobits per second, which is which is fine for when you're just jamming. But if you want to use it in a pro context, you want to have lossless audio. Um, so that comes with Endless HD, which when we launch next year will be um, like twelve yeah twelve dollars per month, ten pounds per month, um, because it's gonna costs a lot in terms of servers and so the most popular thing we're offering for our kickstarter is a lifetime subscription to ender studio hd which gives you um lossless audio co- uh, collaboration it gives you a lossless history of um everything you've done in your jams it also gives you a sound library and some other benefits such as you can you can design sounds on your desktop and then save those to your mobile device so you can create your own sound packs save them to your mobile device, for example. And that's the hot potato. That's the one to go for. Will that be lossless audio on mobile devices as well, or is that only going to be for the desktop version? It's account-based. It's not device-based. Once we ship all those features, and we, um, we're we looking to ship um, the first kind of alpha versions of Ender Studio, um, at least for macOS, in December this year, and we'll be shipping Windows from um, February next year, we're not sure exactly when we'll have all the infrastructure for this kind of account-based thing, as in being able to access your lossless audio um, across all your devices based on your account. But but that, that'll be coming around the same time, you know, sort of um, late this year, early next year. Fantastic. And I just have hope that the internet has recovered from the lockdown at that point, so that there's actually enough bandwidth to move the audio about. <laughs> yes. Something we didn't mention is... is just the community is, you know, I mean, I think the the fact that the Kickstarter got funded so fast is just a testament to the enthusiasm for, for the people who've kind of come together around the app. Um, and, and it's so great sort of talking to people on the, you know, cause there's a chat feature built in. Um, so the ability to kind of just little conversations with people who you're jamming with or connecting with them on discord, you know, I mean, that's, that must be inspiring. It's great. It's, it, it's wonderful. And uh, I, it's a shame it's a lockdown, really, because I, I, I sort of want Endless to spill out into the real world a little bit. Um, and I like, you know, when the campaign ends on the 3rd of July, um, I really, you know, we've got this office that <laughs> um, that we don't use right now because it's a lockdown. And I just really want to get a whole bunch of like the, the, the most dedicated Endlesses together for a proper rave. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, thanks so much for, for telling us about it. I mean, I think anybody listening can tell how excited I am about the whole idea. I, I do encourage anybody listening to head over to... Where's the best place to go, Tim? So if you head to studio.endless.fm um, and then uh, there's a link there that says back us on Kickstarter, 
and you can find our Kickstarter page. You can also, if you go um, straight to Kickstarter, uh, kickstarter.com, and search for Endless with three S's, uh, you'll find us. And actually, I think in the sound category, we're the top trending project at the moment, which is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, anybody can head over, if you haven't already played with uh, Endless, and I'm curious to find out more, to get the app on the uh, Apple App Store for iPhones and iPads. Um, Is it still free to sign up? Yes, absolutely. It's absolutely free to sign up. there's, um, There's a very substantial free tier. You know, we don't, um, we don't really want to get engaged in this kind of like heavy, heavy upselling, um, you know, basically telling you we've got some free product, then we haven't really at all. I know that there is, there's a lot you can do um, on the free tier. Uh, and of course, there is a subscription tier um, for the mobile as well. It's four forty nine per month. And that gives you way more sounds, way more effects, and also gives you infinite access to your history. You know, it's compressed audio history, but it's still, it's infinite access. I um, encourage you to support us like that also, if you can. Yeah, so that, I mean, we, we have links at endlesswith3s.fm. Okay, actually, sorry, why three S's? What's the history of that? Uh, well, try getting endlesswith2s's.anything. <laughs> it's pretty tricky. We wanted to kind of differentiate ourselves um, somehow. Um, and also, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a pun. You know, en- endless, it goes on and on and on. And um, like the, the T-shirt that we're um, including in the, the, the merch in the Kickstarter campaign is actually the Endless logo, which again is three S's, which looks quite cool. Three S's inside of the circle um, made up of, it just says Endless, and it's got hundreds, maybe even th- maybe even thousand S's that make up the Endless logo. I don't know. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's fantastic. The whole thing is fantastic. Um, thank you for making it um there i just have to shout out to um to the team i mean but you know particularly the engineering team the devs because uh you know the whole team has made huge sacrifices and huge commitments to make this happen it's kind of a technical behemoth and you know given how many people we are we're we're you know there's one ash is full-time and then um we've got three three other guys adam Matt and Ragnar, and that, you know they're sort of fitting it in part time around stuff. So I mean, I think it's incredible what we've achieved, and I always want to take the opportunity to big up the team and say thank you because it's you know they built it. I mean, I built the prototypes, uh, and then you know I, I guess my job these days is to kind of build you know to build the company and the brand and the message and all that kind of stuff, which I never ever thought I'd get into, but here we are. <laughs> but in terms of the tech, yeah, just massive props to the team. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Really enjoyed talking to you and um, keep up the good work. I'm going to be uh, watching with interest to, to see where all of this goes. Well, thank you and thank you and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to John for uh, mixing and editing the episode as always. Thanks to Kaylee Law for uh, letting us use his music. And thanks to you for listening. Thank you.